Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, this is the COB, all the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets. I'm Juliette Sarley. It is Friday, the 27th of October, and let's have a look at how markets are faring on the last Friday of the month. And we are seeing a good session, of course, still about 45 minutes to go, but the SIBO 200 up by four tenths of 1%, and the ASX 200 is up by about a third of 1% or 18 points. So it does look like we will end on a positive note, and that's really as we we start to see this momentum coming through from the U.S. futures market and defying, I guess, what we saw on Wall Street when once again we saw the weakness coming through in the tech space, although Amazon has been a bit of a bright spot after the bell, but certainly a lot of concerns about the Magnificent Seven, as one guest I had earlier saying, well, there's not much room to go when you're already called Magnificent, but what that is telling us about the overall economy and how companies are faring in the third quarter. But speaking of the economy. Well, the US economy is running hot. That GDP print coming in higher than expected and really just reiterating those uh, thoughts that we will see higher for longer rates. Let's have a look at what we've been seeing in terms of some of the top corporate stories that we were following today. And ResMed was in focus. Shares definitely under pressure as well. ResMed cutting its workforce by 5%. Uh, I spoke to the CEO, Mick Farrell, from San Diego after the results and asked him what is on everybody's mind minds or lips, shall I say, and that is, excuse me, I'm going to go through a lot of puns here, but how much are those weight loss drugs, those GLP-1s weighing on their bottom line? And he says, look, you know, they're confident that even though you are seeing an impact, they can beat pre-COVID growth levels because he said the amount of people developing sleep apnea and needing their devices is growing exponentially. ResMed shares, though, down today by almost 4%. We also had Macquarie Group in focus today. It is, uh, or it has announced rather confirmed, it's going to invest in the US-based telco provider Swift Fiber. Macquarie hasn't disclosed financial details of the deal, but Bloomberg is reporting its asset management arm is investing about $275 million for a majority stake. Perhaps investors think that's too much. Macquarie down by half of 1%. Harvey Norman shares, though, higher by almost 5%. They did report a major hit to profit and revenue, though, in the most recent quarter, aggregate sales revenue declining 9.1% compared to this time last year. Car sales also having a good day, up six-tenths of 1%. It says it's pleased with the first four months of the year, telling shareholders it has confidence to reiterate its guidance. And uh, Coronado Global Resources posted a group revenue of 2.2 billion US, run of mine coal production of 19.3 metric tonnes. This is a stock that is often in our top leaders and laggards and it's in the leaders today up 3.4 percent and the stock of the day was Harvey Norman let's have a listen to what our guests on the call had to say about it (laughs) 
cost of living pressures say see people uh, pull back on some of those bigger purchases. Do you really need um, a new you know washing machine, for example? Uh, or can you make do with uh, the older one you still have? Or if yours is broken, can you get it fixed for $100 or whatever it is? So I think that Harvey Norman for the macros still don't like it. Even in good macro times, it's never a stock that I would be involved with. It just doesn't. I mean, it's so obvious. I, I don't even need to say why it doesn't get into my investment universe. While you're still early in the the, the downturn in the cycle. Um, this is just the start. You, you're cycling some tough comps. The consumer's weaker. I, I expect things get worse before they get better. Now, share prices are definitely sort of reflecting that. They, they, they are optically cheap. Um, we'll talk about a, another one later on. Um, but... For me, it's still too difficult to put my finger on well, where do earnings land? You know, when do they bottom out? When do they recover? What do the valuations look like at that level? And when you have that much complexity and, and stuff going on, I generally just avoid the space. And Well, welcome to the COBR Friday guest, Shane Oliver, AMP's Chief Economist, Dr. Shane Oliver. Great to see you as always. I mean, really today, not today, this week, it was about inflation, uh, Dr. Shane, and really about the impact this is going to have potentially on the RBA. All big four banks now calling that we will see a rate hike. How did you read the inflationary picture and the conundrum that Michelle Bullock and co find themselves in? Look, she's certainly in a conundrum. Uh, unfortunately, those numbers were on the poor side. I was an optimist. I thought uh, we'd see a slightly bigger fall than we did. I mean, the numbers are going in the right direction, but the problem is uh, arguably not quickly enough for the Reserve Bank. Uh, Michelle Bullock, the day before the CPI numbers, used the word material. And of course, a lot of debate has been around uh, whether that upside on inflation was material. At a headline level, which is where fuel had the big impact, I don't think it was. But at an underlying level, which of course is where the Reserve Bank is focused, looking at their so-called trimmed mean or even the weighted median, they were well above their expectations that they had back in August. Uh, and so that, of course, uh, I, I think is material and probably does mean, if you follow the logic of what she said in the last week or two, it uh, it, it means a high probability they will raise rates again when they meet next week or the week after next rather and you can also see on that uh, that underlying measure that chart there shows uh the breadth of cpi increases unfortunately there was a setback mm. in the last quarter in australia we were seeing a downtrend now we're seeing more uh components in the cpi um, reporting inflation above 3% on an annualised basis. Yeah, that's interesting, that chart too, because you've compared it there with US consumer price inflation. Uh, just talk us through the differentials there and I guess what we're seeing in terms of what the Fed might do ahead of its November meeting. Well, the picture in the US, I think, is somewhat more favourable. You've got to be a little bit careful there because the US, I think, is running about six months ahead of us. Uh, just when you look at the CPIs, their CPI peaked in June last year, ours peaked in December, uh, took us longer to take off like it did in the US, and now it's taking us a bit longer to come back down. But that breadth measure in the US is still falling nicely, whereas in Australia, a clear downtrend, whereas in Australia it had that lurch up in the September quarter. Uh, so that is a big difference between Australia and the US, and I think it, it gives the Fed breathing space uh, if you look at those GDP numbers last night that you were mentioning there uh, uh, before coming to me, um, the US economy did very well 
last quarter up 4.9% annualised, uh, fantastic results. But the inflation number, the core PCE on a quarterly basis, uh, fell further to 3.9%. We're probably going to see more of that tonight with the September core PCE falling to 3.7%. And I think that gives the Fed breathing space. And of course, their interest rates, they're up around 5.5% or 525 to 5.5 on the range. Uh, so I, I suspect that uh, in the week ahead, they will leave their interest rates on hold. They're still going to sound tough and he's still going to say, well, inflation's too high. Uh, we may have to leave rates higher for longer, all that sort of stuff. But I don't think they'll be moving rates. How impressed have you been by the third quarter earnings season so far? I mean, we've been talking about the little bit of a tumble in tech, but maybe the expectations there were high. A lot of companies have actually beat. They have actually. I mean, if you read the commentary, you get the impression it's been bleak. If you look at the overall numbers, we've seen something like 47% of S&P 500 companies report, so almost halfway through. Uh, 79% have exceeded expectations. The norm is that uh, companies exceed expectations, so we all know that, that they uh, they under-promise and then over-deliver. Um, uh, but uh, that's part of the game, but the norm is 76%. So more than normal companies surprising on the upside, which you could argue is a positive sign. Um, and so far, I, th- I think we started the reporting season with consensus earnings expectations for something like a 0.5% rise. That's now increased to 1.2%. We'll probably see that push up to around 3% as we go through the reporting season. Uh, so, yeah, they're coming in better than expected. Um, and that does provide support for the US share market. But obviously, you've got these huge tech stocks and what they do and what their guidance is like has a huge impact and that's caused a lot of the gyrations in the last few days. We've been looking very closely at what else has been affecting our economy. There's been a big China stimulus this week as well. Uh, We were looking at your economic activity trackers and you're saying they're not here showing anything potentially decisive in terms of the direction of economic activity. If we can just pull that up, can can you show us what you mean by that? Yeah, that, those indicators we put together back at the time of the pandemic and because in the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, uh, the, the chart that's gone up is actually our leading inflation indicator. You can see there the trend is down nicely, so that's a positive sign, but the inflation numbers aren't behaving quite as well. But uh, that, those um, those economic trackers gave a good guide through the pandemic. We were seeing those regular swings. They're quite timely. They come out on a weekly basis. Uh, lately, they haven't been telling us much. They've been sort of tracking sideways with a lot of noise, nothing really decisive. And that uh, that's telling us that, uh, well, we haven't slid into recession, but we're not taking off either. Um, so it's, you're not getting a lot of guidance at present from the economic data, which I think is consistent with what we're seeing in more traditional economic data, which is just bouncing around. Some of it is good. Obviously, the GDP numbers last night in the US, other data is not as good. Uh, So you get this very messy picture uh, at present and equity markets are obviously struggling to come to grips with that those confusing signals. Uh, I was talking to a guest earlier about saying how you position ahead of the weekend when there's so much uncertainty at the moment, particularly what we're seeing with the Middle East. And it seems like the general consensus out there is gold and gold stocks. Uh, what is your sort of uh, thoughts on, on the kind of price action we've been seeing in the local market, given all the uncertainties, but also, as I mentioned, the fact that we did have that announcement of China stimulus this week? Well, the local market's still struggling, but it it didn't go up as much as the US, so it hasn't come down quite as much. The US market to its low last night is down 
almost 10%, uh, we're down just over 8%. So we haven't come down as much, but we're still we're still having a rough ride. The US S&P 500 is up 7 or 8% year to date. We're down 2 or 3%. Uh, and I think it, 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 it speaks to or relates to the uncertainty about China, uh, obviously, that's one big factor there, and also the um, the uncertainty about the household sector in Australia where investors know that there's a greater vul- vulnerability to higher interest rates. So those things have held our market back, contrary to what I would have thought at the start of the year. Um, running through those things, the China story, I think, is improving a little bit. Uh, that stimulus is significant, can't be ignored. Uh, as always in China, the announcements are rather confusing. You know, is the $1 trillion, $1 trillion renminbi, which is about 200 and $220 billion Australian, is that is that going to occur immediately or is it going to be spread out? Um, so there's a bit of uncertainty about that, but at least they, they, they are pumping some money into their economy, which will help in the short term. The only uncertainty around China remains, of course, in the property sector. So that's obviously a source of uncertainty. But generally speaking, I, I have a bit more confidence in China than I did, say, three months ago. And on the other side, the household sector in Australia, that uncertainty still remains. Household sector still remains very vulnerable. Uh, On a lighter note, you know, your book club that I'm trying to make happen is gaining some traction. So what are you reading today, this weekend from your bookshelf? Uh, It's not on the bookshelf at the moment. It, It was actually a book given to me by my colleague, Diana Messina, uh, when I went to Germany, it's called Stasiland. And uh, for some reason, I didn't start reading it when I was over there. But when I got back, I started reading it. I'm actually really enjoying uh, Stasiland. It, uh, if you want to understand what happened in Germany, sorry, East Germany or the so-called DDR, Deutsche Democratic Republic, in those years prior to 1990, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly a depressing read, but it's certainly an interesting one. And I think highlights uh, the, the ludicrousy and, and the dismal nature of authoritarian states where you try and control people's thinking. And it just highlights to me the importance of free speech and maintaining free speech and not cancelling people um, as they were trying to do in Stasi land in extreme basis. But we've also got an element of that going on uh, in Australia and the US right now with a bit of cancelling going on. So mm. I, I think we always have to fight for a free press and freedom and Stasi land certainly provides a reminder of that. All right. We love Diana. I used to work with her years and years ago at CBA. Dr. Shane Oliver, AMP Chief Economist. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. My pleasure. Thanks, Sally. Take care. All right. Let's have a look at what we're going to see in the week ahead. Uh, We've got retail trade, private sector credit, also some selected living cost indexes. Speaking of the CBA, my old colleague uh, Craig James will be releasing the Comsec State of the States report and also the building approvals and CoreLogic Home Value Index. And we will, of course, be keeping across all of that at Ausbiz next week. Having a look at what we will be seeing on the global front, though, of course, it's all about the Fed with the November interest rate decision. Uh, We've also got US consumer confidence and home prices being released along with the key jobs data. To China, we've got some PMI data coming through and then heading back to the US, the employment cost index and challenger job cuts, of course, all feed through into that non-farm payrolls as well. Okay, I want to have a quick look at what we are seeing in the market with half an hour's trade to go for the week. We are up by half of 1%. We really have shrugged off that negative lead from Wall Street and really taken our lead from what we're seeing in US 
futures markets. The ASX 200 is up by about a third of 1%, 68.30. I was talking about a lot of that flight into gold and Peter Coppets from Equity Story was certainly telling me that on the trade earlier. If you don't know what's going to happen in the Middle East over the weekend, where do you want to be? Well, certainly in some of those gold stocks. All right, the last call is coming up next. Stay with us. Thank you.